Oh, hey, I'm on. Welcome back, Nexus Church. It's great to see you again. If you're just joining us now, uh, join us a little late. Uh, thank you so much again for uh, being with us today, visiting us maybe for the first time. Uh, we are in the midst of a three uh, or five week series. We're on the third week of it um, entitled Small Town Church. Now, of course, when you hear the word small town church, probably a lot of different things come to your mind. But in this series, we're trying to uh, debunk that that theory that a small town church is ineffective. In fact, we believe as as the group of churches that are coming together uh, to proclaim this this message, we believe that the church in a small town is not small. In fact, we believe that it can be a powerful force that changes the world. And so this this series is really based around a passage from Ephesians 2:18 uh, through 22 and found in the message translation. So if you're trying to find it and it doesn't flow for you, uh, it's in a different translation this morning. But I really like the power behind uh, this translation where Paul says, the kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how he got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. I hope you get that in your spirit today. He is using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Now, Paul in this, this passage is really kind of depicting or, or giving the analogy of how we as followers of Christ are, are making this home together. And today we're going to be taking a look at a, another analogy that, that Paul gives, a great illustration in 1 Corinthians where he uses the body. And we, it's, it's so important, if you get nothing else from this series, it's, it's so crucial that you understand that you have a part of God's family, His church. You are incredibly valued, and together we create this winning team. We have the ability to create a winning team that makes many in our community and beyond part of God's family. We're going to be a winning team. And so this week, I posted a question on Facebook once again. I've really been enjoying these conversations that we get through them and, and how it really inspires the, the passage or the, the message for the week. Now, last week, uh, I posted a question and got lots of great responses of what creates a winning team? What creates a winning team? Now, the great thing that, that I love about this vague question is that it can be applied to a sports team. No, not the Green Bay Packers. That's my brother. Thank you very much. Or, unfortunate, many of you in our church congregation. It's not a team, necessarily. It's, it's not necessarily a, a business or a school or even a 
family or a church. This can be applied to anything. And so the, the reason I like this question is because I had people from all sorts of walks of life answering it. And I want to hear, I want you to hear some of their comments. Now, if you want to go back to my Facebook page, uh, there was so much meat to these, these comments that people made. And I'm just, I'm just skimming the surface of them today. And honestly, we can make an eight week series out of just these comments. They're so good. But according to those who responded this week, a winning team continues to learn and develops the needed skills. Ooh. Continues to learn and develops needed skills. They keep growing. They keep expanding their knowledge so that they can, they can be on the cutting edge, if you will. A winning team also takes time to understand teammates and is open to ideas. Oh, that's good. A winning team also, this kind of leads into the next one, desires unity, right? When you, when you are open to ideas and really, and are willing to understand different teammates, you're going to have unity. So desires unity. A winning team properly identifies and utilizes each person's skills. A classic example of this is myself. You don't want me on your team building something. It's not going to get done. And if it does get done, you probably want to hire it out later and do it better another time. You have to understand each person's skills. If you put somebody on in an area where they have no passion or no ability or don't care about, they will not do a very good job. If you want to have a winning team, you need to have people in their proper location. A winning team is also flexible. And I love this. Sacrifices their selfish desires for the mission of what the team is about. It's flexible. It's not about themselves. It's about what are we trying to accomplish. And I will lay down my desires for that good. Because I know that ultimately if we want to win in this organization. Whether it's a, a business or a team or whatever. A church. You have to lay down your personal preferences. A winning team appreciates each other. A winning team communicates and lastly, this is probably uh, my favorite. A winning team has a passion for a common goal. They're in it for the same purpose. And of course, that just leads right into what we're going to talk about today. Now, I'm not going to cover all of these thoughts today because, again, that would be an eight-week series that we, we don't have time for in one day. But we're going to begin this process of, of looking at some of these with that last comment, the passion for a common goal, kind of as the bedrock of where we go from in this passage or in this message today. But we're going to create a team that will bring many into the family of God. That's the ultimate goal of our message today. And I love, and you can put this up on the screen, Liam, the, the, the quote from William Temple where he says perfectly, the church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. If, if, if you get one thing out of this passage today that we're going to be talking about, it's that. We're not in it for ourselves. At the core of what our church is, and any church, honestly, if they're worshiping the same God we are, it, it's not about our preferences. It's about reaching others so that they can join in. Now, our goal today is twofold. First, why do we serve? Why is it that we serve the church or God's family, as I like to call it? Why, why do we do that? 
Can't I just serve God and serve his family on my own? Isn't it more effective if I just do it myself instead of asking others to join me? Like, that seems so time-consuming. So why do we serve? Is it important? And then how can we do our part to ultimately welcome these people into our family, those who don't know Jesus? And so let's begin by asking this very important question. Why should I serve God's family, the church? What is at stake? Well, today we're going to read from Matthew chapter 9. So if you do have your Bibles handy, if you want to turn to that. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. Um, Because we're not at church and we're all probably going to have different versions, it'll be a little bit different. But if we're at church, I'd read it from the ESV because that's what's in our our under our chairs but i'll let you get to that matthew 9 towards the end of the bible about the last third um, you'll find matthew mark luke john i'm just going to open in prayer father thank you for this time and as we turn our eyes to why does this matter why does church why does going here matter i pray that your word And your Holy Spirit will speak to us about what is my part in this? Why do I come to church? Is it just to sit and listen to a message? Is it to come and worship some songs? Or is there something more? Is there a reason? I pray that you will help us to understand. And as we all come with different thoughts and ideas of what church is, uh, may you speak exactly right where we're at. In Jesus' name, amen. So we read in Matthew 9.35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is great. But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. Now, put yourself into one of the people in the crowd. You know, the old saying of like a fly on the wall. Imagine if you were there, just a spectator, watching Jesus as he comes into town and he starts preaching in the synagogues, talking to people in what was at that time the church where people gathered to to worship God. And he's teaching and people are coming to him and, and he's healing every kind of disease. Like you think of the, the worst kind of disease. We got quite a obvious one right now, the corona disease. People were coming to him without any kind of doctors or or normal kind of medicine that we would think of today. They had nothing, but they would come to Jesus and he would heal them. I mean, he gets a crowd, right? Like no kind of healer that we've ever seen before. He would get them all because there was no cure for anything at that time. And so everybody comes. And they're being healed and he's teaching and people are just like worshiping in him. And, and the whole city's being transformed by this one man and, and a few disciples that are with him. What, a, what an amazing move. And then he stops right in the middle of all of this. And he looks up at the crowd and it's like, oh my goodness. And he turns to his disciples and he says, 
Guys, start praying. We need more people on the team. If we don't get more people, these people, this harvest that's just sitting here waiting to, to hear the good news is not going to hear it. And what's going to happen? They're going to perish. They're going to die without the opportunity to turn their lives over to Jesus, to him, to God the Father. Imagine that. Now, Liam, you can put up on the, the screen right now the Connect One board. Now, many of you, uh, if you've attended our church, you've seen this on the, the back wall as you walk into our sanctuary. And, and this really is the heart of where Jesus was at. The Connect One board has one simple purpose to it. It's for us to write down the name of somebody we know that has not been connected to a family of God, has not given their life to Jesus as their Savior. And now, the reason because I did that is because I believe every single person in our church community and and in our community of believers as a whole knows somebody, just one person, that they can write down and they can be praying for them and they can be asking God to give them an opportunity to share about Jesus, and then maybe even invite them into church someday. That was the whole purpose of that. Now, on that wall, there was 112 names written down. Over the last three years, we've been writing down names. 112 names. In a church of, you know, roughly 60 to 80 people on any given Sunday, in those three years, we've had 112 names written down from 60 to 80 people who wrote them down. We have a community of 10,000 people. That is such a small number of the thousands of people that have never heard of the good news of Jesus. Or if they have, they haven't understood the love of God the way we have. And so I just put myself into Jesus' shoes. And, and I look at those names. And some of those names are people that I know. And I can only imagine what the Father is thinking as he looks at those people. As Jesus looks at those people. You see, Jesus said it very clearly in Luke nineteen eleven. He said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And that was his purpose. And now next week we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more. But, but truly, the reason why we join the church is for one simple reason. You serve because you have classmates. You have co-workers, you have neighbors, you have family, and you have friends who need to be welcomed into the family of God. And that's why the church exists, to seek and to save the lost. And though, like Jesus, you could do a great work on your own with maybe your little posse next to you, you could do you could do a lot of good work, and Jesus did a lot of work. Well, unfortunately, you're not Jesus, so first of all, don't think that you can do everything Jesus did. But as as powerful as as those thirteen guys were, when you join a family of God, you open up the skills and the abilities of so many people around you, and you can unlock the forces that God has given us as each individuals to join together. To be a powerful force. So that's why we join. We make or we can make our church family a home for many in our community when we join together. And we do it, as Paul said, brick by brick. 
stone by stone. And so for the the remainder of our time today, I want to look at a powerful passage that Paul writes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. Now, I really like the Ephesians passage. It's kind of the the bedrock of our series. But but Ephesians is talking more about a building. And we get so confused with church as a building. And the church is not a building. We're not stones. We're not bricks. We are people. We're living organisms that that are complicated. There's a lot of intricacies to us. And it's, it's, it's a lot easier to build a building than it is to build people and work together. And so I love how Paul puts it in this passage. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. He says, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body seem that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Verse 26 goes on to say, if one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, the church. And each of you is a part of it. The body is very intricate, isn't it? Now, I'm not a doctor and never will claim to have even an inkling to understand the, the depths of what Paul is saying here. But I do know this much. If I chop off my hand, the rest of my body will be affected. It will not be a pleasant day, year, or the rest of my life, quite honestly, unless I get a replacement. Each part of our body is absolutely important. And when one of these parts is missing or not being used, as Paul says, the rest of the body is affected. And how many churches today are are filled with people? I mean, I think of these mega, mega churches that are full of people. And a lot of great people are doing a lot of great things. And, and I just imagine, what if all those spectators that just walk through the doors on a Sunday morning actually rose up and did something for the kingdom? That would be a powerful force. And I'm not saying all mega churches do that, but but I just see that and I see all the sitting and, and all the just spectator aspects we're not called to be spectators we're called to be a part of the body and though a body needs rest and needs a time of relaxation and even joy and pleasure ultimately we're created to be used and have a purpose now the other thing i know about this passage is that unity is crucial like your hand was created to get a certain amount of blood and if it doesn't it's going to be affected. And if the heart says that I'm only going to give you this amount of, of, of oxygen and blood right now. And I'm just going to tone it back a little bit. The hand's going to be affected. There has to be unity. The heart has to be in uni- unity with the hand. And with the rest of the body. And likewise with the mind. Everything flows together and has perfect unity. And when something is is out of whack or something's not working in order, everything is affected. And so many of these things that you guys shared on, 
on Facebook are, are so powerful and they're so interwoven in what we have in the Bible. Unity is crucial. Each part and, and growing in its skill and its ability and not just being lazy, but working hard to getting better. It's so crucial. And it's likewise in the body. If you just sit around and don't do anything, your body's going to start falling apart. But if you build it up and work and, and attempt to get better, you will get better. A winning team relies on each other's gifts and is in unity. Well, Paul continues in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 4. And again, he, he, every passage we read, it's like he builds off of the other passages. And in this one, we read, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. Get that. We as the church have many parts, but we are one body, the family of God. And we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I want to pause there in Romans 12. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. What are your gifts? And are you using them? What are your gifts? A winning team, again, relies on every person's gift. Continuing on in verse 6. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, what is prophesy? It's, in essence, what I'm doing right now in one aspect. Prophesying is just speaking God's word and applying it to where we're at today. You see that in the Old Testament in the minor prophets. They continue to speak God's word over the people. Do this. If you don't, there's going to be a consequence. That's prophecy. So God has given you the ability to prophesy. Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, thank you, Jesus, for people who have the gift of serving. We need more of those. Serve well. If you are a teacher, thank you, Jesus, for teachers. Teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging, especially in this situation we find ourselves in. In this stay-at-home order, we need encouragers to rise up and tell us it's going to be okay. God's got us. We're, we're here together. We've got this. We need encouragers. Encourage. Now is your time to rise up and encourage. If it isn't giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take your responsibility seriously and lead. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Oh, Lord Jesus, right now, I'm asking you to send more people that can show kindness today. This church, all churches, we need a big dose of people who show kindness. The love of God will cover so many sins. Show kindness. Now, I realize many of you are thinking, man, I, oof, I don't really see myself in any of these. And I understand I get that. I'll never forget when I first walked into a church after I'd been saved a few years, I finally got my license and I could go to church. And when I walked in this small country church, I walk in and, and it's an older, you know, congregation. And, and all I seen was the pastor and it was a, an alliance church. So they were big on missions. And so I saw the, the missionaries and, and the need for missionaries and I saw the musicians 
and then maybe a cleaner and a nursery worker. I wanted to serve God, and I saw all of these things that I had no gift or ability to fulfill. What, what do we do when we walk into a church and we say, man, I'm, I'm not really cut out for anything in the church. A church isn't for me. Maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe I'm supposed to be somewhere else. What do you, what do you do? What do you do if you feel like, I have this gift. I don't know how to use it. I'm telling you today, first of all, stop making excuses while you're not serving. There's always opportunities and many reasons. This was a reason for myself anyhow. The reason why we don't see something that we can put ourselves into is because we haven't asked. There's a lot of needs that are present in a church that the church isn't going around asking for help for everything. But there is a need. And in a moment, we're going to we're going to ask the question. How do I enter in to the church family and do what God has gifted me in? But before we do, I want to be very clear. There's something that we all can do. And it's something that many times I I forget to to say. Because I assume that people just do it. But there's something that every single person can do right now. If you're listening to me right now, you can do this. You can share this message. You can share what is going on at our church. You can invite people to like the page, share the comments, share, share the posts that are posted. Here's what I've been hearing from leaders around the country that is happening right now. People are on Facebook and social media and other places more than they've ever been before. And here's what we're hearing. People are coming to salvation in greater numbers than they have ever gone when they go through the doors of a church. Why is that? Because I can tell you this much. I can share a post from Facebook and it's not as intimidating as inviting them to come into my church. People may or may not see that post that you post, right? But they might. And when they're scrolling through, just waiting for time to pass, maybe as they're cooking supper or helping their kid on schoolwork, whatever it might be, the post right above yours or maybe right below yours, they stop at and right in their view, it's something that you shared from the church. And when they see that, they hear a message that maybe they wouldn't have received from you, but that moment, at that time, God uses it for them to hear. And they give their life to Jesus. We can all share. Whether it's a post from our church or from another church or from some ministry that you follow, start sharing these things. You just don't know what God may do through that. It's not even your own stuff. It's somebody else's. So I encourage you to share. I encourage you to, to leave comments on our page. Even that, even though it might not seem like it, it, it gets the page to, for whatever reason, the algorithms that, that Facebook has, it, it puts things to the top and it helps people see these things. doesn't make sense, but it's how it works. And so leave comments. Like pages. Just simply like a comment 
or put a smiley face, something. But when you do that, you are entering into a very simple thing that you can do that's a part of the church. So I encourage you to start interacting, sharing, liking, and even reposting. Let's talk about, you know, someday we won't all live on Facebook or social media again. We'll actually get to go out and be with people and interact and do the social things that we love. And we'll get to be back in church. When you finally get to step back into the church, how can you actually engage? And let me tell you, this is four steps. The first two steps you can be doing right now as you prepare to come back and hopefully the next month or so. The first thing is, is just connect with somebody. Connect with somebody and ask them the simple question. What gifts or abilities or talents do I have? What do you see in me? Because I will tell you this much. When somebody asked me to go to kids ministry when I was 21 years old, I was the last person who had ever said, I'll go to help out in kids ministry. The last person who would ever do that. I did not like kids. And I sure in the world never wanted to hang out with them. But somebody said, you know, we don't see you fit over here. This doesn't seem to be where you need to be right now. We would, we'd love you to try this out. Would you come and be a character? I'm like, you want me first of all to be with kids and then you want me to act? Do you not realize that I black out in front of people? I get lightheaded just standing on a stage in front of people. But see, this is the thing. They saw something in me that I did not see in myself. And and that's the point. You never know what people see in you that you don't see in yourself. And they may call something out, say, you know, I see that in you. Have you ever thought about that? You're like, absolutely not. Maybe you should consider it. You just never know where that might take you. You never know. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for somebody asking me that question and pushing me. Saying, you you got to try it. We need you. Come on. You'll be great. So ask somebody. Let them be honest with you. And actually receive it. Listen. Listen with a whole heart. And expect that it might require you to jump out and do something you're not comfortable with. The second thing that you can do, even right now, is you can ask the, the church, the pastors, the leaders of the church, or even just somebody in the church that you know has been there for a while. Just ask them, hey... Somebody told me this about myself. This is what they see in me. They, they see these gifts in me. Do you think that that would be possible, something in the church would, could use? Is that, is that a gift that I have that I could actually use in the church? I could guarantee you just about any gift you can come up with, there's something that the church could do that could help you to use that gift. So Ask. And then ask the other question of what is there that needs to be done in the church? What, what opportunities is there that, that you are aware of? So those are the two things that you can even do today. You don't need to wait for the church to restart tomorrow to be able to do those two things. Start asking. Start having coffee with somebody or, or take somebody out for lunch and say, I, I really know I need to, to start doing things at church. What are some things you see that I could do? Or even in the community doesn't have to be in the church. You can do things out in the community as well. And then third, 
simply when you after you meet with these people and you discuss and you have this time of prayer, allowing God to speak into your heart and be obedient to what he's telling you, then get out and start serving. Don't wait for another day. Don't don't allow the the circumstances in your life just to to come together so you can go out and do that. Uh, You're always going to have excuses of why you can't serve. You're always going to be busy. You're always going to have things to do. Stop making excuses and start serving. And then lastly, don't quit. Just don't quit. I will tell you this much about ministry. It's hard. It's not just hard. It's stinking hard. And there'll be times when you will just want in everything inside you to quit. The moment I started serving in kids ministry till today, there's been multiple times for A rainbow of colors of reasons, of reasons why I was done, why I wanted to quit. It was taxing. I couldn't juggle full-time work with ministry. I couldn't juggle full-time work, ministry, and school. There's so many reasons. There's so many reasons. I can't tell you in the last year how many times I'm just like, you know, I'm not the right guy for this anymore. (laughs) There's got to be somebody better than me out there that can lead this thing. There's, I have so many insecurities. I have so many failures. I have so many things that uh, somebody else can do much better than me. The enemy will come in and he will come in like a flood and it will be overwhelming. And this much I know at every stage that I've been at in ministry, I've had things that have made it feel as if there's no way going forward. Because that is the enemy. The enemy wants to seek, kill, and destroy anything that's good that God has for you. So don't quit. Don't quit. A winning team requires sacrifice. I read it this morning. I'm reading from the book of Mark right now in our devotionals. And and it was as clear as day. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. That's not easy. That is not easy carrying a cross. I mean, that's pain. That's suffering. That's being put up and being nailed and hanging for dear life, gasping for air. That's not easy. The Christian faith is not easy. Serving God is not easy. But but it's so worth it. And I know that sounds so contrary to most people's thoughts. But serving Christ will be the most beneficial thing you will ever do. To not just yourself, but to others. See, every time I come back to the same thought when I want to give up and quit, this thought of the harvest is plentiful. There are people that are in our community, in my neighborhood, that don't know Jesus, that are not part of the family of God. And I know without a doubt, they will not be in heaven with me. The harvest is plentiful. And if I give up, I will just add to the few workers that are on God's team. That's not an option for me. That's not an option. And I won't back down until God takes me home. Now, I understand sometimes people get placed in different situations for a season and then they go back to another spot in another season. You have to be obedient to Christ, but never give up in ministry. There are seasons for, for stepping back. There's no doubt. 
And in fact, that was one of the comments, understanding when it's time to go forward and when it's time to step back. But that's a season. It's not for the rest of your life. And you have to be obedient and keep going forward. And so I want to close. And if the worship team could come up, we're actually going to end in a song today. And I want to ask you this one question. And here's what I want. I'm going to ask for you to be bold today. I've given you a lot of easy steps today. This one's going to require you to be bold. In our comment section in our video, we have an, an opportunity to write down your answer to this question. How will you help us? create a winning team i want you to write that down how will you help us the family of god not just nexus but the the family of god how will you help us create a winning team you see without you we're going to be ineffective i need every pinky i can get right Without my pinky, I'm not going to have a very effective hand. I need that for playing softball. It's very important. You are important. No matter how insignificant you think you are, you are important. We value you. Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. You have incredible value in the family of God. With you, when we come together, we're going to create a team that connects people in our community and northwest minnesota to jesus that is that is what we are doing and so leave a comment how can you help us create a winning team and then this week i also want your feedback i already put a post on our facebook page and i want your feedback for this question what is the greatest way a person can serve their community for us it's thief river falls but maybe if you're listening, it's another community. We want your feedback for that as well. How can we serve our community? And we'll talk about that next week. Father, thank you for this time. I thank you for the teams that we have in our church. God, you've already sent us amazing people that are doing amazing things here in our church. But Father, even here in our community. And so I pray, Father, as we come before you and we sing this song, Father, this song is a closing song. I call this a benediction, a closure, Father, and a blessing on the people today. Father, I pray that they will go out from here. And for those who can join us in our Zoom meeting, that they will be encouraged, Father, as they leave this time. And they go to be with you, Father, in a time of reflection. Build them up, encourage them, and challenge them this week. In Jesus' name, amen.